Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Chris Denny. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat about how, how when you develop attention to detail for yourself as well as for your team, how does that and how can that help you achieve success in whatever you're working on, but especially in launching and growing a small business? I mentioned Chris Denny in an episode I did uh, not too long ago, episode 457. I did a solo episode on the topic of attention to detail because I think it's so critical. I think it's one of those critical skills that we need to develop to be successful in anything we do in life, but certainly as a business owner, you definitely will benefit from yourself and your team paying attention to the details. Uh, Chris is an authority on this topic, and so that's why I'm excited about this conversation and opportunity to have him on. I had reviewed his book in preparation for my episode that I did, and then he was gracious enough to accept my invitation to have him on the show. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including the show notes page for this episode, and how you can keep supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Let me tell you a little bit more about Chris, and then we'll get into the conversation. Chris Denny is an entrepreneur, a trainer, an author, consultant, and a business owner himself. When he's not running a business or spending time with his family, which shall often entails hiking and snowboarding, he is researching attention to detail or helping organizations develop attention to detail and accuracy. Chris has an MBA with a focus on operations from the University of Houston. His undergraduate degree is in business administration with a specialty in human resources from Texas A&M University. Go Aggies, right? <laughs> I, I, uh, I, before I moved back to Florida, I spent 31 years in Dallas. So very, ah. very familiar with A&M <laughs> and knew a lot of former Aggies. Uh, but anyway, Chris is the author of, as I mentioned, the book entitled Improve Attention to Detail, a straightforward system to develop attention to detail in yourself, employees, and across an organization. This book is based on the research, surveys, interviews, and experience that he brings also to his live workshops and online courses. Chris lives in Littleton, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. So once again, Chris Denny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So did you grow up in Texas? I did. Yeah, I was always in Texas uh, until 2020. And um, I had thought about moving to Colorado for a long time because I, I went snowboarding every year and I mm. went camping in the summers. And, you know, if if 2020 taught us anything, it's that things don't really get easier. And uh, so uh, we went ahead and we just moved. So good for you. Never, good for you. Yeah. Well, uh, did you have children at that time or have children? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got two boys at the time. I guess they were six and eight. And um, yeah, we, we that was another factor for timing is that, you know, when they get a little older, they're going to be yeah. a little more entrenched in school mm -hmm. and. So it's kind of easier to move them there than then, than than waiting a while. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds very similar to my my business partner. We were chatting before we started recording that I I had several businesses in Colorado because my business partner David Begin lives in Colorado Springs. But he also I knew him when he lived in Texas, and he similarly 
He had always gone visiting there say how beautiful it is. And he packed his family and moved when they were younger as well. And obviously you guys have embraced all of the winter sports, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think we hike more than most locals when, when we're talking to people about trails and stuff, we'll mention where we've been hiking and they're like, I don't know that one. And they've lived there their entire lives. So <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Good yeah, for you. We love it. All right, so let, let's talk about your journey, how you got to where you are today. When when did you first think or have you always thought that you wanted to be your own boss? What do you think are your earliest serious recollections of thinking, I want to own my own business? Yeah, so I've kind of always had the the bug, so to speak. Um, in fact, my, my dad had to talk me out of quitting college a few times to go start something. You know, I just heard the just stay there. You'll figure it out. If you want to do something later, you can, but just stay in school. And, um, but I, I, I got my undergrad and I went to work for a little while and then I got the MBA and I went to work for a little while and I worked at HP, which is a fantastic company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, after about three years, I just kind of realized the giant company thing isn't for me. And again, wonderful company. It wasn't anything with the company. It was just the giant corporate structure thing. And so. I went to work for a small company again, a manufacturer, and uh, really enjoyed that. But fortunately, the owners there were very transparent. And so I learned a ton about, you know, operating a small business. And uh, they uh, actually enabled me to start a company. That's when I started the marketing agency. And I, I went I went to them with a simple pitch of, um, you know, hey, how about I do marketing for you guys and I'll do it for other people too. It'll cost you less, it's, you know, and so on and so forth. And so I was able to start a company while getting to pay my mortgage uh, right off the bat. So uh, that was, that's really how I got started in it. That was 2008. Yeah. What, and, what a uh, unique opportunity that was. That's a tremendous that you had that opportunity to do that. So lucky, wonderful people there. And um, yeah. And, and, and of course, you know, marketing wasn't mentioned in any of my background, but I ended right. up in marketing there because I, I went there because of the manufacturing component and uh, of my education. But uh, what I learned is that they were really great at several things, but not good at telling the world about it. And so that's kind of how I got into the marketing part is I started started improving the systems that we use to tell the world about the great things they do. So. Looking back to you, do you think you were one of those people who is naturally good at communicating an idea, at at uh, sharing with others what something is about? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough to say. Um, ironically, I'm a bit of an introvert, so you know my natural tendency is to kind of I don't know stay in stay in the office. Uh, and in fact, I've joked quite a few times that I think that's why I got into marketing because. They were kind of pushing me into sales and I was like, yeah, but you know, I could improve the website and reach more people that way, or I could send mass emails and reach more people that way. And, you know, so instead of kind of allowing myself to be pushed into sales, I, I did it through other communications. Yeah. Very interesting. When you look back now, do you think the MBA has helped you as a business owner or what are your thoughts on that? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just a great foundation. I mean, I did my MBA pretty young, a lot younger than a lot of people. So it gave me a great foundation right off the bat of just understanding the bigger concepts of business. Um, of course, in in an MBA program, you typically, the teachers are different than in undergrad. Um, 
you know, at the time, some of my teachers were CEOs, you know, one was a CEO of, of uh, Shell North America's mm. at the time. And so you just get these bigger perspectives. And then, of course, you learn the technical components, you know, just the financial operations. You really dig into some of the stuff that you may not get in the undergrad, even in business school, like financial accounting and, you know, how to really read a balance sheet properly and, and that sort of thing. So at 100% yeah. helped me a lot. Excellent. So you currently have multiple businesses, if I understood correctly, right? You have multiple multiple things going on? Yes. Yeah, correct. I'm always curious. You know, I've gotten myself into that as well. Uh, for me, it's shiny object syndrome, if nothing else. But <laughs> how do you manage your time and effort between all of those different focuses? I mean, uh, so for example, I do uh, time blocking to some extent, but how do you switch between one and the other and then your personal life as well? Uh, let's see here. Systems and delegation, I think, would be and, – and I do try time blocking, but you know, with smaller companies, it's – as you know, you're still wearing so many hats. It's not like I could yep. say – Monday is for this business, Tuesday is for this business, Wednesday is for that business because the business doesn't quite cooperate that way, does it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And your partners don't and employees don't and that sort of thing. But I, I do my best to create strong systems um, that make it so that if I'm not there, somebody else can pick it up and run with it. And then, of course, that goes right along with delegation. You know, hey, this is this is your project now. And here's the system for how to do it. You know, if you have any questions, refer to the system. Um, or make the best decision you can. And uh, somewhere along in there, I think maybe it was from somebody like Brian Tracy. I just heard this concept of if if someone else can do something 70% as well as you can, then let them do it. And and you have to give up a lot of, especially when the topic of attention to detail is, is near and dear to your heart, you, you have to give up some, I don't know, it feels like a little bit of yourself, you know, in in making that decision and delegating that. But it is so freeing when you finally just go, you know what? The world is still going to spin if that's done 70% as well as, as I would do it. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, I can look back over it later anyway. So Yeah, no, well said. And I, I think for me is the letting go of the perfectionism, right? So I have this right. ideal that everything must be done to 100%, but that's not true. That's not how we're able. If we hold to that standard, then we cannot scale. Right. Yeah. Yep. And we'll come back to that because I, because I want to get your thoughts as well as we dive into it is how do you balance attention to detail, but yet not letting perfectionism creep in, <laughs> right? But uh, now that you have been a business owner for some time, what is it about owning a business that satisfies you? What does it do for you? So I enjoy the feeling that um, I could, because I was an employee for I don't know, the first six, seven years of my of my professional life. But, and I, I mean, I, I worked from the day I was 16. I mean, I literally went and grabbed my driver's license and then drove over to like the, the Randall's grocery store and put in my application so that I could buy gas and, you know, date money or whatever. But I enjoy that feeling that the, the things I have, the money I make was actually created from my ideas, from systems and uh, and I mean, by and by systems, I mean by people, by processes, by th the assets that I've put in place myself. Um, I just enjoy that. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there are things like you know your time is more flexible and you have more power over making decisions of when you take vacation and all of those things. I, I enjoy all of those things a lot. But 
uh, at the end of the day, it's really, I just enjoy that creative process and, and sort of the, the power over uh, the direction you get to take things. Yeah. I love that. That resonates with me as well. That, that cre- ability to create. And I think it's also one of the reasons why, while we're told that we want to fail fast and, and all that we learn from our failures, it's nonetheless mm-hmm. extremely painful because it is an expression of us that we're putting out there when we create a business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and all that's true. I mean, fail faster, all those things that those are all true. I mean, that that's absolutely right. And and like you said, and we'll kind of get into it later, but you know, that there's that balance between perfectionism and all that you have to be, I don't remember who said this, but it really stuck with me. And it's so true. You have to be brave enough to do it wrong the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, you just gotta, you gotta try things and, and your first version is going to suck, frankly. And that's okay. <laughs> because you get to make a second version, you know, in most cases, I mean, don't bet the farm, but, uh, and that's part of the fun creative process. And, and I, I do want to mention a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but I'm not creative and so on and so forth. I find that the more I read, the more people I meet, the more conversations I have, the more creative I get. I, I'm not at my heart creative, you know, but when you get out there and you, you just learn more, you get and you can't see my air quotes with my fingers, but you get creative, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you. That's that's well said. I, I think sometimes maybe also people get hung up, uh, Chris, with uh, thinking creative means I'm a good artist, right? Or I can right. do those kinds right. of but that's, but that's not. I think we all are, for the most part, inherently creative in that we want to put out there into the world, our expression of something, whatever that might be for us as business owners, that's, that's our art, if you will. But yeah. you're right. I think that the, I think if we're open to it, because I think what happens to us as well as an, as adults, especially our education system indoctrinates us to lose that creativity and instead execute by somebody else's rules. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we can yeah. tap back into that, as you said, by listening, by observing, by traveling, by, by taking in the things around us, I think we tap back into what is naturally our creative self. Right. Absolutely. And you get all these ideas that you can leverage on anything else in the future. Exactly. So when any any other idea comes up, it's like I can I can attach that to another idea I've had from the past. Excellent. So I'm hoping you can share with me briefly the story that you share in the book about how you came to this focus on attention to detail. It had to do, <laughs> I believe, with, a, with an employee of yours. Yes. Uh, you could share that with us. Yeah, sure. So at the the marketing agency, I, I had an employee who was a really talented young man, really talented. I mean, impressively so, but he couldn't, he never really would create client ready work. Everything was, it just was filled with mistakes. You had to send it back to him two or three or four times. And, but what he made was, it, it was beautiful. You know, he would make amazing stuff. There's just, you couldn't send it out in the world because it had typos and mm-hmm. You know, stuff wasn't aligned properly and that sort of thing. And so I was, I always found myself saying, come on, man, pay more attention to the details, you know, be more detail oriented and, and all these things. And, you know, I would give him checklists of, you know, do this properly and here are the things I need you to improve and to correct. And, and so anyway, I, I wanted to, I, I was willing to invest him. And so I looked for any kind of training. I mean, workshops, books, anything. And I couldn't find anything more than, you know, articles online that were like three ways to improve, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'll, you know, I'm creative. I'm used to doing stuff myself. So I'll, 
spend a few evenings and, you know, make a whatever, a little manual or something to help him. And so, so I did, I started researching and, you know, I mean, this is 2010 and uh, at the time, you know, people still went to actual libraries really often. And so I went to the <laughs> university library and started digging in and, and I found two things really quickly. Uh, one is that the topic done properly was way bigger than I expected. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, way bigger, just exponentially. And then the other thing is that it was all the stuff I enjoyed. It was, you know, psychology, it was human resources. It was, um, you got into systems, systems thinking and, and being process oriented. You even got into, you know, operational elements. And so I just really kind of went down the rabbit hole. I didn't really mean to, um, but it, but it was but perfect just, for you because it tapped into all of these things that you had background and education exactly. and passion for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of, kind of went overboard. Um, I mean, <laughs> my, my wife even several times was like, what, what's this weird project you have, you know? This Cause obsession. Uh, yeah. Cause I wasn't, it wasn't like I was trying to start a business or anything like that. I mean, I, it really was just like, and, and of course it took me way longer than expected. I had to let the, the that employee go because it, you know, I just, I didn't have a solution for him and I couldn't find anything. And we were small. I, you know, you can't keep operating with someone who, who can't produce profitable work. And, um, but I, uh, yeah. So six years later, you know, with just, just reams, literally reams of paper of notes and, you know, <laughs> just sketches and everything and whiteboards full of stuff. I actually bought a four by 12 whiteboard, four by 12 foot whiteboard and put it on the wall in my office at the time so that I could make more notes and keep all in front of me. Wow. And um, yeah. And then I just had this thing, but I was, I was kind of blogging a little bit and a few companies started reaching out to me and they <laughs> were the first one to reach out to me. And I was just honest because I, mean, I was just a project, you know? And they said, Hey, will you come give us a workshop? And I said, I don't, have but work you know <laughs> like i don't have anything this was a larger <laughs> corporation yeah yeah it was a, it was a pretty big company um i think they had 700 employees at the time and the and, kind of uh, work that they did uh, i'm assuming required some level of attention to detail yeah they they are a large um it security company uh, so they're like outsourced it security and so mm. they actually had a problem in their licensing department and um so they said, will you come do it? And I, I, I couldn't be anything other than honest. And I just said, you know, I need a month because I just have a system, but I don't have mm -hmm. their timing. was good because I had the system in place, but I didn't have any kind of materials. And so, yeah, I just said, Hey, give me, give me a month, month and a half. And, and I'll be happy to come do it. And, and, um, he actually offered me money for it, which blew my mind. And because <laughs> again, this was just a nerdy research project I was working on, you know? And, um, so yeah, I went and did it and I, and I loved it. And, you know, they, it was well received by them. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I started it. it was when really did you make this shift to making this your, your core business or one of your core businesses? Is it, was it shortly uh, after that? Yeah. It, 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 because, you know, then I saw the opportunity. I was like, Oh, people mm. actually want this because several more people reach out to me. And I mean, I didn't spend any money on marketing or anything like that. No. And well, they were probably doing the same research you were, you had started off on and found you as the authority on it. That's exactly what happened. Yep. That's ex that's exactly it. So it is it is super niche. Um, I mean, there's not a there's not a massive market for it, but it's just a fun you know it's a it's a fun consulting training company. So, but no, that was 2017 that I did that first one, 
and then probably by 2000 by mid 2018 it was a it was a substantial company fantastic so this is henry lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to schedule a free coaching consultation with me i welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business plans and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success as an experienced small business owner myself I understand the challenges you're experiencing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and maybe exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching consultation, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to speaking with you soon. All right. Thanks for sharing that. Now, what is your definition of attention to detail? What are we talking about here? So attention to detail is, it, it, it encompasses several things, but um, it's about efficiently allocating your your mental resources, your cognitive resources, in order to identify and process the relevant elements of an issue or a task, uh, and and then create or produce an appropriate result. So, um, there's several several elements in there. Uh, the efficient allocation of cognitive resources. You know, I mean, that's really about just using your mental resources efficiently. So. Um, working in a way that allows you to focus appropriately, that that allows you to use all of your mental resources and, and apply them to a task at hand. And then there's the identify and process. Uh, you know, attention to detail in a lot of cases is about is about catching catching mistakes or not making the mistakes or catching all of the items that that are that are there. So identifying those and then and we'll talk a little bit about the three types of attention to detail because that is a really important part of this. Mm-hmm. So with with some types of attention to detail, you're just it's really just about identifying. You know, there's there's not much processing to do because that's what we call contrastive. Um, but it, it's it's either right or it's wrong or it's there or it's not. Um, and then with other with other challenges, you're actually trying to create a solution. So you're trying to identify all of the relevant elements and then process those so that you can create an appropriate solution. So, you know, that could be something as simple as, you know, what's the best growth strategy for next quarter, right? So you have to identify all the elements that matter. What are our resources? Who, you know, how many people do we have? What are the competitors doing? What are our products? You know, what's going on in the market? What's our budget? All, all of those things. And then go, okay, what's the best thing for us? And the best result in that case could be, I mean, there could be 17 best, you know, best ideas uh, or best strategies, but you have to pick the one that, seems to be the best for for you so but that's that's the definition is it, it, it you know encompasses quite a few things yep yep and we'll unpack some of that like you said here as we continue with this conversation what in your experience and observation what is the result of not having strong attention to detail and let's look at it from a perspective of an individual but beyond that as a small business owner what, what have you seen as the impact of not having strong attention to detail. Sure. So you kind of have, I think this is a good, good place to bring up that um, there are a few 
parts of it that are important. So the big picture is important. A lot of people think that when you're talking about attention to detail, it's really just, you know, stay in focus, getting in the little stuff, catching every little thing. But the big picture is really important too. And, you know, that requires attention. You have to understand the big picture of, of really what's going on. Um, so for an individual, you know, if you just look at, okay, let's talk about an individual employee. Attention to detail is important because someone who is more detail-oriented, they are generally going to require less management. Uh, they're generally going to be more successful in their job because they simply make fewer mistakes. They're more accurate in their work. Uh, and and along with that, and part of the reason for that is because they understand the purpose of their work. Mm. They have a little bit of idea of, of that bigger picture. Not in every case, but for a lot of people, it's that they understand the bigger picture. And and the bigger picture might just be that they understand that if they don't fill out this form right, then when it goes to the next person, that person's day goes off the rails. You know? I see. Yeah. So um, that context, that bigger picture is important. Understanding that if I don't do this little thing right, uh, how it impacts the customer or the patient or the client or the next person in the process. That's exactly it. I mean, the CEO obviously has to think about bigger stuff, but you know, the the bookkeeper needs to understand, uh, you know, what the bigger picture is within the realm of of what they're working on. The receptionist needs to understand, you know, how I don't know, filling out the financial information for the customer might impact somebody down the road. Maybe yeah, or, or paid, the proper you know. greeting sets the tone for the rest of the experience. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. And so, so for a for a business owner, I mean, it, the same sort of concepts apply. It's you know, a business owner, their attention to detail, it's got to be broken up. Of course, they they have to have it for different aspects of the business, for customer service, for the product quality, for getting taxes paid on time, so that you avoid fees and penalties, and you know all of that for handling employees. For so you know, for any business owner, of course, they have a lot of hats to wear, but for each hat. They've got to have a set of, well, whatever kind of system they use for for getting the details right for that. Why, in your experience, why do you think some people really struggle with this skill? That's a big question. So it's different for a lot of people. Uh, the, the five fundamentals of attention to detail are focus, interest, knowledge, systems, and there's an attitude component, uh, which is a little more complex, but... Mm -hmm. It's different for different people. I've done a lot of coaching of, of individuals, and I would say the big ones uh, revolve around – because most people want to first they, – they just want to blame it on focus. You know, like I just can't focus, and there's a lot of overlap. So you could say interest is a big component, and by interest, it's you might you might sum it up as kind of understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and that's a really big one. Um it's probably why I mentioned, you know, the mm -hmm. uh, an employee needs to understand the bigger picture of what they're doing. A lot of people don't have that, and and it's it, it's kind of amazing how often people don't have that, uh, you know, full understanding of their role in the organization and the impact right. their role can have. So when they have that, that can make a huge difference. I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that it's like when they say, "I just keep making mistakes in this in this report," let's say. Um, okay. And then when you ask, well, why is this report being done? They just say, well, my boss requires it, you know, every Friday. Okay. Why? Like, who's it going to? What's it for? How is it used? What's the information matter? And some reports just stop being produced because when they go ask their boss, why are we doing this? They go, I don't <laughs> even read that. You know, I don't even read that thing. But <laughs> yeah. So I, I, th I think if I had to pick one, I would probably say that it is 
interest, which is a really big topic, but but usually the the core thing is the core issue is uh, not fully understanding the impact of a mistake or of you know a lack of accuracy on on your role and on others. One of the challenges I've had on this uh, is, and there's two people that I'm thinking about in my head, <laughs> one a former <laughs> business partner, another one is someone who's done some video production work, for example, for me. Um, and it's almost like sometimes they're, I don't understand them as human beings because I cannot imagine that you wouldn't read something twice, but to them, it's like, uh, I can't imagine reading something twice before I send it out. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, but I'm starting to get it. So, uh, I think that maybe for those people, instead of saying, well, follow this checklist instead, if they can better understand the impact that that's having, let's say on that email that's going to go out with typos on the the uh the brand the uh the reflection of us as an organization how right. they're going to perceive us and in some businesses is more important than others right if, if an attorney sends out a an email or somebody in that office sends out an email with a bunch of typos uh, i'm going to be worried right because attention to detail is important in that arena right right so, but, and in some of it, I think to your point, it's a complex question. I get it because I think for some, for some people, there might be some level of attention deficit that, that they might have or are struggling with. Right. Yeah. And that impacts absolutely. this ability to pay attention to detail. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, like with interest there, there are quite a few reasons you might have a higher or lower level of interest. Uh, you mentioned attorneys. I mean, there's a certain obligatory level of interest they have right if they mm -hmm. if they don't get the contract right there's probably going to be a lawsuit that ensues later right. or it's going to cost somebody a bunch of money or it's going to break the contract and some relationships and so on and so forth engineers uh there's criticality you know the the people designing the airplane understand that if they don't get it right you know the outcome could be really catastrophic yeah you know same with designing bridges and and so on and so forth so so yeah there are a lot of a lot of reasons for it and uh and again it can be offset so like if you have focus you know actual chemical imbalances that cause focus concerns then you probably need to rely on the other elements so you know if you have focus problems um then maybe systems are going to be mm -hmm. uh, a more important element for you because you can only do so much about the focus component uh so you know systems in place better software you know things that help you double check. Maybe you need. Maybe somebody has to review stuff for you. I, I mean, um, you know, you mentioned checklists. Checklists are wonderful. Great checklists can handle eighty percent of a lot of problems. So, uh, yeah, that I hope that answers what you. Yeah, no, that those are all great tips because I I think that's what has to happen. First of all, I have to get that person to understand this does have a negative impact. If you put out this work, it isn't trivial. Uh, now, maybe nobody dies, nobody gets sued, but nonetheless, it makes right. a certain impression. The client right. has an impression of us now because you've sent out what really was a draft, not anything that was ready for the client to review. They're catching things that you should have caught. But I get what you're saying. I think that then for those types of people who that's the way they're they're able to work, they say a system that requires a review by someone else might be one great way to improve that. Right. I mean, it could be there. 
I use the word systems generically sometimes, but it can be, it could be everything from a sticky note reminder to, um, you know, template emails, you know, pre-typed templates, or you just kind of fill in the, fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. If there's something you send emails a lot, uh, spreadsheets, you know, everything. So there are a lot of systems. Agreed. Agreed. The, the argument on the flip side is, and so I want to come back to then this whole topic of perfectionism is, and they're right to some extent is like, well, it's the sooner I get it to the client and for them to give me feedback anyway, I know it's going to be a back and forth anyway. So why wait until I think it's perfect? Let me just send it. What do you say to someone who thinks that way, that that's why they send out work that I think is not ready, but they think it's good enough for them to give me feedback on. So yeah. And and there's so many levels of this. Um, One of my favorite ways to sum this up is, and you have to define it, right? You have to define what is right. And that's easy to do when you're talking about a project and you say, here are the goals of the project. We have Mm -hmm. to have these deliverables and, you know, whatever this much in revenue is, or we have to have, you know, created five products and we have to have sold into seven markets. And that that's easier to say, okay, now I know what it looks like when I'm done. Um, Whereas when you're talking about, you know, shooting off an email and the draft version and you're just trying to get feedback. So, but if that's a problem in the organization, then you have to come down to, okay, we have to define what right or wrong is like. I see. And I mean, I've worked with organizations who kind of have that thing because they really expect a high degree of professionalism in all of their communications. And so they just say, okay, look, every email will have an introduction, you know, hi, John. Okay, great. Everything, everything. Certainly for the first and probably second, after you're in a conversation, you know, where emails are going back and forth, you don't have to say hi, John, every time, right? So, but they define it, okay? On the second plus email, you don't have to say, you know, the introduction anymore. And then after that, it's going to be uh, state the summary. Um, here's Here's the point. And then the details are below. That's actually a favorite sort of template of mine. You know, here's yeah, here's what I need, or here's point of this email, details below, and then you know, bullets or whatever. But if you read just the first line, you've got the you've got the point. And so you just have to define it. Um, you know, we expect emails to go out without typos and errors and blah 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 at any stage, anytime, you know, never. <laughs> never yeah. should an email go out with typos and so it just and, has and to be there's defined. an example where the, the the system can in part be the technology because you know for me I have Outlook set up that it checks grammar it checks spelling so if you right. just take a moment and let the tool do its job it that'll help you tremendously in, in that example right absolutely like I like Grammarly I, I love Grammarly I use it uh, it's on it's you know it's it's on my computer it, it checks everything I do it's on my employees computers um, so that's a that's a fantastic tool that I recommend to everyone. Great, great suggestion. Thanks for that. Uh, sure. it, it's harder than, of course, and I, I don't want to go too much deeper on this because we can talk about this for hours. Right. Fascinates you, fascinates me. But when it's creative work, uh, using that term again, uh, like a piece of marketing or a video or something like that, that's harder to define, isn't it, as to what is what is the standard before I put that in front of a of a client? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what brand guides are for, right? That's the base of, I mean, a style guide is, Mm. you know, when you use our logo, it has to be at the bottom, right? It has Mm -hmm. to have a quarter inch, you know, all around and you can't change the dimensions of it. And the font has to be this font and you have to use this color. And these are the PMYK codes and, you know, all of, all of those things. So you can go that far, right? uh, as, as far as, and 
And I mean, some style guides are two pages and some style guides are 70 pages. And, right. Uh, they get a little bit crazy. <laughs> so that's one way where I can set the rules. Here are the standards. Here's the system. I right. could also envision in a, in a particular project I have in mind, I could say, okay, here's your checklist. Any any text that appears on the screen needs to be proofread by a second person. Uh, yep. You know, the segues have to be certain amount. All of those kind of things, you could define some standards that helps people who don't haven't quite developed the skill and also just generally to make sure that the organization is producing to a certain standard. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's what systems are about. Systems, systems reduce the need for cognitive effort is one of the things to do. Remember that definition, it's the efficient allocation of cognitive resources. So systems can help you reduce the need to uh, allocate cognitive resources. Basically, you know, you do it up front and then, then it's taken care of. Um, but also they, they produce more consistency in outcome. So by using the same system every time, we're more likely to get the same outcome uh, regularly. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, you're right. On the on the creative stuff, it, it gets harder. It gets more yeah. difficult by the nature of it. You do believe, however, that most people can learn and improve their attention to detail skills. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I in, in fact, I... When I first started, I would say, you know, some people just can't improve it. But I've I've changed my mind. Actually, I think everybody can to some degree. I mean, to first of all, just because, you know, how cynical is that to say that, you know, some people just can't improve, but I know. And it's hard for, for us to say that, right? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So but no, I believe everybody everybody can. And and everyone has inherently everyone has, you know, they kind of start with a certain level of attention to detail. In fact, it's one of those just sort of fun, soft exercises. There's no research to back it up or anything like that. It's just from my, you know, whatever, 10, 12 years of experience in this, in this now, basically you kind of have a spectrum where you have people who are uh, what you call naturally detail oriented. And that's the people that you know of. You, I mean, you can think of them immediately, right? We, mm -hmm. we think of them often as like CPAs or whatever, but their closets are perfectly organized and their desk is always neat and their mm -hmm. car is pristine and all those things. And and then there's kind of the rest of us, right? There, and I call that task or work detail oriented because everybody has something they're detail oriented about. It, it could mm. be a hobby. It could be, you know, I just I really like my shoes to be polished. It could be that they're really spot on with their work, but maybe their desk is a mess. I mean, everybody has something, at least one thing, um, and it's often a hobby. If you can't find it anywhere, that's, that's else, what you have found you know? is that everybody has at least one thing where they do yeah. pay attention to the details. Yeah, and and usually if it's if it's just one thing, it's a passion type thing. You know, it's, it ties it's, back to your point about interest, then, right? Exactly. Yep. 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 It's like you know, well, you know, yes, I don't pay attention to every detail in my job when my desk is a mess, but I really like painting models. You know, it, I mean, so you know, you find that this person makes these amazing models, or they're really good at carving or sculpting or uh, it, it quilting. I mean, it's just often some sort of creative pursuit that you know, takes them out of the world and that's their happy place. So do you often then, is that one of the places you start with people when you're coaching them is let's tap into how it is that you do it in that realm that can perhaps translate? Is that part of it? That's a really interesting question. And the answer is, the answer is actually no, because we're usually so focused. We just have to kind of do what they, you know, we have to correct the kind of mistakes that they're concerned about. Sure. Yeah. So we start there and we run through those five fundamentals, you know, focus, interest, knowledge, systems, attitude. Um, 
knowledge is an interesting one because that's that's brought to me that doesn't usually come up with the individual that comes to me usually when a manager contacts me and says hey i've got this person who just keeps making mistakes and we can't you know we're having trouble we're struggling so on and so forth and we cover the five fundamentals and we get to knowledge and more often than i ever expected we'll talk about training like do they know you know have they been properly trained and sometimes they kind of go well no they started after we did the big training event you know and that sort of thing and so uh that's just another important important element to address but uh so Very yeah sorry a little bit of a side tangent there but yeah no no great great stuff so uh, let's talk about the book for just a moment uh again the book is entitled improve attention to detail a straightforward system to develop attention to detail in yourself employees and across your organization yeah i think i know why you wrote the book obviously it's in part a culmination of all of this research and thinking that you've done on this right. subject uh, who is it for ideally it's primarily for for employees so it, i mean that's really who it's primarily for but um anyone who wants to you know reduce the number of mistakes they make that's and and improve their overall accuracy uh, especially in a work setting is really who it's written for so and in fact i'm actually i'm working on a second book unfortunately it can't be my top of the list but a, a second edition basically that has more of well experience applied because i wrote that I wrote that book kind of early on, so it doesn't have you know, mm. case studies and that sort of thing. So the second version I'm working on has has uh, practical applications and even even exercises and that sort of thing. So I'm working on working on that one. I wish I could put it at the top of the list, but I just can't right now. <laughs> no one, no, no doubt. Well, we'll look forward to, to that new version as well. In the meantime, obviously, this is, is a great book. Uh, so what else you've gotten also now, as you I think mentioned at the outset online courses and so forth. And I know you have a special offer for us. So tell us about the online training courses and, and the workshops. Yeah. So, so the workshops are, uh, you know, corporate workshops, they, uh, pretty simple, pretty simple platform companies bring me in. Typically teams are, you know, 10, 12, maybe as many as 35 or 40. And we spend anywhere between four and seven hours together, kind of depending on how, uh, if they bring up challenges, they want to work on right then. And I love doing that. That's my favorite thing. I, I prefer a six six or seven hour workshop um, because that's when we're really getting stuff done. And when it's over, you know, people have solutions, you know? So, but in the workshop, we, there are, I think six exercises at the moment. We do a game as well. It's a lot of fun. Of course, the game, you know, directly applies. It's not just for mm -hmm. fun. Um, but those exercises are designed to basically customize the workshop for the team. So that's where we really pull out their language and then bring out the issues they and challenges they are working on. And they could be immediate challenges or they could be long-term stuff. They could be, you know, small, simple daily challenges, or they could be big, expensive things. And so, and, and then through the progression of those exercises, we work on those so that when the workshop is done, they have solutions. I mean, they have actionable uh, solutions they can they can go start working on, and it's a lot of fun. and And the uh, online course is as close as I can get to making an online version of that workshop. It has the same exercises, uh, it's the same language, but those again, those exercises are designed to you know bring out the specific language, the specific 
challenges that uh, that you're working on. So, and the the online workshop can be done if you sit down and really give attention to the exercises. It's there are three different videos you can watch them on tablets or phones or anything, computers of course. I uh, I would dedicate three hours to to it, and that's that includes properly doing the the exercises as well. So, so is that something that I might uh, uh, um, offer to an employee who who I'm helping with on this area and assign it to that person and they go do it? Is that how I might use this? That that's absolutely most of who who gets it. Yeah, uh, who who purchases the course are um, employees who want to improve, or their manager has you know in a review, for instance, has said you know hey you're, you're great, but you need to improve attention to detail, and so they'll assign them this course. Uh, and then of course it's used for a lot of teams where um, the because there's a there's a group management module in the in the website, so a manager can purchase you know thirty courses, uh, thirty licenses, and assign them to the team. And um, and actually, I created other materials at request. So what some people do is as a team, they'll say, okay, look, everybody has the workshop this week. Uh, everybody has the course this week. Everybody watched the first video. And then on Friday, we're going to go through it together. Yeah, that's and a great then way to do next it. Next week, everybody the second one. Yeah, I love that one. So I created materials that support that as well. That's for the facilitator uh, role. Exactly. As well. yeah. yeah, perfect. Exactly. All right. And you've, you're offering a, a discount for our listeners. So tell us about that if you would. Yeah, so uh, the uh, coupon code is HOB20, so HOB20, and it's 20% off of any of the online courses. And that that does apply to uh, the quantity discounts as well, so for teams. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And what's the website that we go to for that? Attentiontodetail.com, all spelled out. Attentiontodetail.com. Perfect. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page. Thank as you. well as that coupon code. So if you're listening somewhere where you couldn't write that down, just go to the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com and we'll have that all there for you as well. All right. Speaking of books, I'm always looking for a book recommendation. So is there one book that I know we had talked about a couple of them, but there's one that you would recommend to us, which would that be? Huh, let's see here. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say Essentialism by Greg McKeown. Uh It's a pretty popular book, so it's not like I'm you know, bringing up a book that no one's ever mentioned before, but that, that is such a great book with so many little bits of information. And, uh, I love the, I love the emphasis on focus on doing less to get more. Basically. That's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a great book. Thank you for that recommendation. I'll have a link to that as well as you had mentioned Grammarly as a tool. I don't yeah. use that currently, but it's, but it sounds like it's something I need to definitely take a look at. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, great. Listen, we can talk about this for hours, but let's wrap it up in the essence of time. What's one thing, Chris, that you want us to take away from this conversation we've had on this topic of attention to detail? Uh, so I, I, I think it would be that idea of not getting stuck on, uh, you know, you mentioned the word perfectionism. Um, don't get stuck on making sure you get everything right. Because at some point, I hate to use the term, you know, it's good enough or the phrase it's good enough, but that has to be said at some point. So define what right looks like, whether that's the big picture for, you know, for the big picture or for the task at hand, but define what right looks like and work to that. And don't worry about getting every little thing right if 
what you've defined as as what is correct or you know um or yeah if if every little detail doesn't fall into what you have defined as correct then don't worry about those things yeah, this is a huge takeaway for me as a perfectionist because I tend to often use attention to detail as my weapon for why you should do it perfectly, right? <laughs> right. It's my excuse. But that's not what attention to detail is. It's to attention to the details that matter. It's attention to yes, the details that we defined that are what are is important. Exactly. It's the relevant details. And and you know, sometimes that may be you may have to have a conversation with your boss, with your customer, that sort of thing. Uh, to make sure you've got that, to make sure you have the right, you know, the relevant details in mind. But those are the ones you should focus on. Having that definition helps people who I would say have poor attention to detail, helps them elevate to a certain level. But it also helps people like me who are perfectionists to accept that everything cannot and should not be at 100%, that there is a, a level at which if I perform there, I'm going to be able to get more done. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, for for the business owners or for people thinking about starting a business, I think that is a special kind of side takeaway uh, is the don't get stuck in what people call paralysis analysis and that sort of thing. And my my favorite my favorite phrase for that is or or I guess philosophy really is uh ready fire aim. Mm -hmm. And it's you know if you have an idea, as long as you know you're you've done enough research where you're ready for it, you don't have to make it perfect. You need to take action. You need to get it going, get it out there in the world, try it out. People will tell you, you know, what matters. Again, the the relevant stuff. People will tell you what's up. The market will tell you, you know, what they want more of and what they want less of, and you can adjust quickly. So, very good. It's well said. One of my favorites. Thank you. Uh, tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. Uh, attention to detail.com is really the best place. Wonderful. Chris, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much. Uh, I reached out to you after reviewing your book and you were gracious enough to accept my invitation. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode of the how of business. My guest today again was Chris Denny. I release new episodes every Monday morning and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts including at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.